Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. How y'all doing? I got to get my stuff ready. They turned the light on too early. Or maybe they just took up the offering too fast. Maybe y'all passed the buckets too fast. Maybe that was it. Everybody feeling good? I mean, can, can we just thank Matthew and Brian, Pastor Brian? They, they, didn't, they didn't ask me to say this. They can certainly pay me later if they want to. Um, but I'm serious. For, um, for those of you that haven't been to other churches, maybe this is your first church experience, period, maybe um, you've just been here a really long time. Um, those kind of things that they talk about and how they resource families and how they um, think through re, uh, resourcing families and think through how, how a child's going to interact on a Sunday, but also how can a child interact at dinner time and how, how, can, how can parents talk through this with their kids when they get home? Because let's face it, it's hard. It's hard to find the time. It's hard to know what to do. It's hard to, it, it's, it's hard to figure it all out. And, and the fact that, that they think through that, I mean, that's, that's not normal. I mean, not all churches do that. And I mean, there's some great, great churches that don't, that don't do that. And so don't, don't ever get just kind of used, um, used to how they're doing it. Even if you don't have like a young child, even if maybe you're a grandparent or, or you don't have a young child, you should still be thankful that your church is not just thinking about the current generation, but they're also thinking about the next generation because the next generation is quickly becoming the now generation. And um, so I'm, I'm very thankful as, as a father um, for, all that, for all that they do and that my child loves coming to church. He hates to be up here. Second service, he would probably not be up here. He would fight it tooth and nail. He hates to be up here, but he loves coming to church, and I love it when he goes home and sings, sings the songs and talks about what he's learned. So I just don't want us to get used to that. I don't want us to forget that. Um, we've been in a series uh, for the last few weeks called One Another. We're going to wrap that series up today. And during this series, we've been looking at effective relationships, different types of relationships that we have in life and, and what those should look like when they're lived out um, effectively, and so we've we've covered different kinds. We've covered parent-child. We've co- we've covered marriage. We've covered friend. Today, I want to talk um, about a, an influential relationship. How do we how do we have influence in people's lives? And as as I talk today, some of you are going to kind of initially kind of think that what you're saying isn't for me because I don't necessarily lead people or I don't necessarily have influence with people. But I just want you to, don't tune me out yet, because the truth is, is that we all have influence in people's lives. As a matter of fact, the very, the very way that the gospel spreads in the first place is through influence. So whether you realize it or not, you have influence in people's lives. How many of you have ever seen the movie Elf? Anybody? Okay, if your hand is not up, here's your homework assignment, okay? Yes, I want you to read the Bible, but... I want you, because I have to say that, or people, you know, there's like, he just wanted us to watch a movie. So I want you to read the Bible. But I also want you to go home. I want you to find it. I don't know if it's on Netflix right now, but I want you to go home. I want you to find the movie Elf, okay? I endorse this movie. Sometimes we talk about movies. We say we don't endorse it. I totally endorse this one. But there's a scene in the movie Elf, and in the scene, Elf, who is an overgrown elf, he comes back kind of to New York City, and in the movie, he hasn't ever seen a lot of 
a lot of interesting things that he thinks are interesting that we think are just kind of common every day. And one of those is an escalator. Y'all remember this scene? If you don't, you haven't watched the movie lately because this is one of the most hilarious scenes in the entire movie. Well, one of the things that I often do when I get on an escalator is I reenact a scene from Elf. And, and, and the way the scene goes, and some of you that know me, you can totally see me doing this. It's only like 30 or 40% of the time, okay? If there's people behind me, I don't do it unless they don't seem to be in a hurry. Um, and so there's a scene in that movie where Elf is getting on an elevator and, or an escalator, and when he steps on, he does, he's not quite sure about it, so he steps on, but he never like, raises his back leg to put it on the escalator. And so he kind of steps on, and like, he slowly rides it up, and his toe just kind of, y- y'all seen this? His toe just kind of flies through the air as he has no choice but to lift it off because the escalator's going up. Uh, I've always done this since I saw the movie because I think it's hilarious and let's face it, you got to have some fun. And so when my son was about three years old, unbeknownst to anyone, he went ahead of me on the escalator. And what do you think he did? (laughs) With his short little legs, he steps on the escalator and just kind of rides it up, grinning ear to ear. (laughs) Now, do you think I ever told him to do that? No. Why, why was he getting on the escalator like that? Because he had seen me do it, right? He had, he had seen someone that he looked up to, someone that he knew and trusted. He had seen someone else do it. And so without talking about it, without having a discussion first, Riley gets on the escalator like his dad. You see, we have influence in people's lives whether we realize it or not. The things that you say, the things that you do, good, bad, you have influence in people's lives. I don't care if you lead a team of people. I don't care if you lead an organization. I don't care if you lead a business. I don't care if you're a mom, a dad, a child, a son, a sister. You have influence in people's lives. But here's the thing. If you, if you know anything about pop culture, you know that the word influence has kind of been influencer, has been kind of stolen, don't you? If you, if you Google the word influencer, don't do it right now, but you can do that right before you watch Elf. But if you, if you Google the word influencer, chances are you're, you're probably going to get things related to social media and popularity, today's culture. If you're a YouTube influencer, it means you have a lot of followers, a lot of subscribers on your YouTube channel. You kind of influence the YouTube community. If you're an Instagram influencer... It means you have a lot of Instagram followers, you get a lot of likes, and you kind of influence the Instagram community. The problem with that definition of influencer is it can make a a lot of us feel like we're not influencers at all. And so what happens is anytime a word like that is stolen in pop culture, it immediately kind of deteriorates what it means to us. And so if I hear the word influencer, and my definition of it is I have to have a lot of followers, I have to be a popular person, I have to have a certain skill set, I have to look a certain way, then the problem with that is that I won't live my life to be an effective influence. And so if it just comes down to popularity, if it just comes down to how I look, if it just comes down to the amount of people that are around me and how I appear online, if it just comes down to that, if that's all that an influencer is, then we begin to think that we don't have influence but you do we all have influence and as people influencing people really should be what we're all about at the end of the day but how many of you and you don't have to raise your hand because you probably don't want to admit it some of you wouldn't care 
How many of you often see people as inconveniences? Right? In today's world, people are often more inconveniences than they are anything else. That's why, that's why we have social media, because we can interact with people without having to interact with people. We can, we, we can, we can say happy birthday to people without having to actually remember, remember their birthday. We can tell people that they look nice without actually having to see them, right? And so oftentimes in today's culture, people are inconveniences. Oftentimes people are our opposition too, right? I mean, if you have a, 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 a competitive job at work, then you really don't want to influence the people around you because what if they get better than you, right? What if, what if the people that, that you think you should influence, what if they actually surpass you in some area? So people often look like our opposition, but people are not our opposition. People are our opportunity. And if you're in the room this morning and, and you are a Christ follower, and I'm not, if you're not, then, then it's totally cool, but if you're in the room this morning and you are a Christ follower, influencing people is your number one goal. When you accept Christ, when your salvation and your eternity is secure, people are your opportunity. And if we constantly dismiss people because they're inconveniences or if we see them as opposition or we think we have no one to influence, we're going to miss the very thing that God has asked us to do. Regardless of where you find yourself, in school, at work, in a marriage, in a family, regardless of where you find yourself, people are your opportunity because Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you. People are not our opposition. They're our opportunity. So how do, you, how do you gain influence? It's, it's, it's really, it's gained in different ways. Sometimes it's, it's based off of a relationship you have with somebody. Student teacher, a teacher kind of immediately has some influence with their students. Sometimes it's, it's a boss employee. Sometimes that immediately provides some, some influence. Sometimes it's a relationship where over time you've built trust. And so you've kind of been doing life together for a long time. And over time you've built trust and so now you kind of have some influence in someone's life sometimes it's a god thing like sometimes god just makes you somehow have some influence and credibility with a person or with people influence is gained in different ways but it can also be lost in different ways you can lose influence really quickly in the relationships you have. If, 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 if I'm at work and I'm trying to influence people and I'm trying to show them the love of Jesus and I tell them I go to church but I live my life in a completely different way and I cheat at work, I'm going to lose some influence, right? Parents, you can lose influence really quick, right? If your actions don't match your talk, you're going you're to quickly lose influence, right? Influence can be gained in different ways but it can also be lost like that really, really quickly, and the very relationship you've taken time to build and you've taken years to build can be gone in a heartbeat. According to a study done by the National Network of Youth Ministry, it says nine out of t every 10 young people who begin a relationship with Christ would say that the biggest factor in their decision, nine out of 10, was because of a one-on-one -on -one relationship with an adult. Did you catch that? Nine out of 10 people that begin a relationship with Christ under the age of 18, it's because someone in their life had influence. This thing starts young. And if you think what happens over in the other building every week is babysitting, that proves that it's so much more. It starts young. The opportunity to impact people, and I'm going to talk about this just in just a minute, but we give you that opportunity. Influence starts 
young. Nine out of ten say it's because somebody was willing to come alongside them and influence them at a young age. Today, I want to talk for just a few minutes about the perfect opportunity. The perfect opportunity, because influencing people is the perfect opportunity for us to carry the message of Jesus onward. And as a matter of fact, this whole influence thing, this isn't just a biblical principle, but it's also a Springwell principle. Like, if you ask me what makes Springwell Springwell, one of the things is personal relationships and influence. We love people so much. We want to build relationships with people. That's what we're all about. And it's so that we can influence them, so we can influence and speak into their lives and help them, help, help them see, see, see Christ in a new way and in a better way and change their lives and get help through Celebrate Recovery and find connection through growth groups and change their family through family ministry. This is a Springwell principle. Influence is a big deal. The essence of the Great Commission, if you don't know what the Great Commission is, it's a... Uh, it's a, it's a mandate that Jesus gave his followers, his disciples. He had died, he had been buried. He, he, after his resurrection, he comes back and he gives this mandate to his disciples that we call the Great Commission. You can go to work tomorrow and tell people you know the Great Commission if you didn't know it before and they'll think you're really smart, okay? Matthew 28 is where we find it. It's this, it's this commission, it's Jesus commissioning his disciples. And this is what he says. It says in 18, verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here is the really, really in, important, crucial part of this statement. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so here's Jesus, the man that literally time hangs on to. Literally time is determined by his life and his death. Here is Jesus who had the most important commission and, and command ever, and that was to be the savior of the world. Here's Jesus, he's died, he's resurrected. There has to be some, he spent three years with these men, and there has to be some some like determination on his part, right? Because he's already rose from the dead. He knows he's about to go back to heaven to sit with his father and he knows this is kind of his last gasp, right? And so he's gathered his disciples. There's, there's 11 of them at this point because Judas has already done his thing even though it was exactly, it, it worked out exactly perfectly because Jesus had to die so that he could rise but we can talk about that later. But he's with his 11 disciples and he gets them together and he says, here's my last, here's the big command that I give you. Love and influence people. Love and influence people. As a matter of fact, because of this, because of what Jesus just told his followers and his disciples in Matthew 28, we are here today. The very fact that you're sitting in this room, whether you're a believer in Jesus or not, but the very fact that you are sitting in this room is because these 11 men were willing to influence people beyond themselves. They were willing to love people, they were willing to make relationships, and they were willing to influence people. The very fact that the church survives is based off of this command. I want you to love, and I want you to influence people. It's what I've done, it's what I want you to do. One of those people, a man named Philip, took the message to heart. 
We find a story in Acts 8, and if you don't know anything about the book of Acts, the book of Acts is, is after the Gospels. The Gospels are the life of Jesus. There's four of them, and it kind of depicts the life of Jesus and his healing, his, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, all that stuff. And then comes the book of Acts. The book of Acts is written by a man named Luke, who was a doctor, so it's, it's pretty detailed. But the, the main part and the main idea of, of the book of Acts is to tell the story of the early church, the early followers of Jesus, and how the early church would start in one place and slowly it would begin to make its way outward from that place and take over the world. So that's what the book of Acts is about. And in Acts 8, we find this guy named Philip who was a follower of Jesus. And that's where we'll dive in. Acts 8, verse 26, this is what it says. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. I want to give you three tips to influence well. Number one, be willing. Be willing. It's as as simple as that. Are you willing? Because if you wait for the popularity to grow and for somebody to call you an influencer, you may never be willing. Are you willing? So here's Philip. He has just experienced some really cool things, and you can go back and read from the beginning of Acts to this point, but he's experienced some cool things, and then this angel comes. God speaks to Philip and tells him to do something. The only reason this angel is willing to speak is because Philip is willing for him to speak. Do you think, as this story unfolds, do you think God could have done what he's about to ask Philip to do? Absolutely, right? I mean, God could have spoke and could have gotten it done in a heartbeat, and it would have been a lot easier on him. But what did he do? Philip, or God uses a man named Philip to influence someone as we go through this story, something that he could have done himself, but God uses people to influence people. Do you see how important it is? And so Philip, because he's willing, he hears from this angel, and this angel tells him, I want you to leave, and I want you to go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Going south would mean that Philip was going to have to leave Samaria where he already was. And here's the important thing about that. Where Philip was before this angel calls him is a really, really comfortable place because revival and people are really starting to take hold of the message of Jesus where he is. And so Philip is in a comfortable spot. He's in a place, and he's actually on the front lines of this movement, this thing that God is doing. He's actually one of the the central characters of it. And because he was willing, God said, I want you to move out of your place of comfort, and I want you to go down this road. It's It's a desert road. Philip said, I'm willing. When God wants to meet a need of a person, he will always call a person to do it. God uses people to do his work if we're willing. And I don't know about you, but I would much, I want to be the person that God sees as willing to influence and love people at their level. Like, I want to be the Philip. I want to be the Philip who, I'm okay where I am, but God, if if you need me, I'm willing. God, if, if you want me to talk to someone that I, that I don't necessarily want to, I'm willing. God, if you need me to move from this place of comfort, God, I'm willing. I want that to be me. Like, I want to make my life count. God, if you need someone 
to take, to, to take care of and pour into and teach the next generation and Springwell kids, God, I'm willing to be that person. God, if you need someone to reach that person at work that no one else will talk to and everybody else hates to talk to because they tell really long, bad stories and you can't get out of their cubicle, God, I'll do it. Some of y'all have that person, that's why you laughed. But, like, I want to be that person. I want to have a heart of willingness like Philip does. God, even if it makes me uncomfortable, even if it takes me down a, a desert, a desert road. It says desert because there were actually two roads that took this path. There were two roads from Jerusalem to Gaza. And God is calling Philip not just to leave where he is with a great move of God happening in Samaria, but he's also calling him to take the road that most people wouldn't be taking. Philip was willing. Are you willing to be intentional and get uncomfortable if it means influencing somebody else? Let's keep reading. Verse 27. It says, so he started out. On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. We're not going to go into all that. An important official in charge of the treasury of Kandak, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So this Ethiopian was a rich man. He would have had some status. He would have been a a celebrity of sorts in this culture. He would have, he would have had, some, had some high standing in the social structure. He would have been an important guy. But God calls Philip, who doesn't necessarily fit with this guy in his status, God calls Philip to go over to his chariot anyway. And here's the thing, as we, as we begin to try to be influential in people's lives, if we if we, if, if we resist speaking into and having relationships with someone because they don't fit or look or sound or have the same amount of income as we do, we're going to miss a lot of opportunities. Here's Philip, an ordinary disciple. The disciples weren't highfalutin people, and he's going to talk to this guy, this, this Ethiopian who had some high standing, and God calls him to go talk to the eunuch. God calls Philip, an ordinary guy, to go talk to this other person. If, 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 we use, if we use our standing, if we use our amount of income, if we use their amount of income, if we use the color of their skin, if we use the color of our skin, if we use the location or the place where we were raised as an excuse to impact people, we're going to miss people that God has put in our path. And it sickens me. It sickens me when I see when I see someone, when I see, see a believer in Jesus resist someone just because they don't look or act like them, that is never in the Bible. And if we do that, if we blind ourselves because of our own presuppositions, we're going to miss some wonderful opportunities. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off on that. So this man, this Ethiopian was, was reading from the book of Isaiah. So we can, we can infer that, and, and, and there's, there's, there's some debate around what these types of people were that, that weren't, Jew, there weren't Jewish 
They certainly weren't Christians yet, but, but they were interested in the, things, in the things of God. There's some debate around what this Ethiopian exactly was, but you can tell that he's already got some interest in the things of God, can't you? I mean, he's literally, he's reading Isaiah, which is an Old Testament book. It's, it, he's an Old Testament prophet. And so here's this, this guy that Philip comes across, and he's, he's reading some spiritual stuff, and Philip just happens to have the answer. Have you ever been in one of those situations where, like, you knew that God made this happen? Like, maybe you had just gotten some extra income, and then someone had a need, or, 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 or maybe you, you were looking for an opportunity to, 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 to share Jesus, to encourage someone, and all of a sudden someone who needed an encouragement popped up. Have you ever been there? That's, this, that's where Philip is. It just, it just so happens that God has called Philip because he's willing to go down this desert road. And now this man, you need a sign. This is your sign, right? He's reading from the book of Isaiah. There are people that are begging to be influenced, that are ripe for us to influence if we'll just keep our eyes open and be willing. That's this, that's this guy. So Philip listens to the angel, it says verse 30, it says, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, I know this sounds a little weird on the surface, right? Like, why is he reading out loud? But it was pretty, pretty customary at this point for them to be reading out loud, especially if you were a student. It was pretty, 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 pretty normal. So don't think this guy's, oh, he's, he's a weirdo, so why in the world is he reading out loud? It, it, was, it was normal. And this is what, this is what, um, Philip asking. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Number two, be willing, but also you got to look for the opportunity. What if, what if Philip gets to this point in the story? He's already left the comfort of what's happening in Samaria. He's gone down this desert road because he was willing, and then he gets to this point, sees this obvious sign that, that he needs to speak into this guy's life, that he needs to influence him, that he needs to generate some sort of conversation. What if he misses this opportunity? Oftentimes, most of the time, you and I, we find what we're looking for, don't we? If you're, if you're looking for someone to be angry, you'll perceive them as angry. If you're looking for, for something positive to happen in your day, you'll find something positive, won't you? If you wake up thinking, I didn't want to get up this morning, I knew it, this was going to be a terrible day, and it probably will be a terrible day, what are you going to have? You're going to have a terrible day, right? If you look for God to do something incredible in your life, what's he, what are you probably going to see? You're going to notice that he did something incredible. If you think that God isn't active in your life, what are you going to see? Probably nothing, because we normally get what we're looking for. My question is, do you look for opportunities? Do you look for these, these just important key moments in your day where you don't know why, but the opportunity just opens up? Even if you're not a Christian in the room today, do you, do you just look for these opportunities, these opportunities to, to talk to someone, these opportunities to have your day brightened? Do you look for do you look for opportunities? Philip obviously knows that he's called to do something significant. So he takes the road and then he looks for the opportunity. We have some amazing opportunities at Springwell. Like I said, family ministry is an amazing opportunity to get involved in something. To say, I'm going to influence people at an early age because I believe it matters. Celebrate recovery. 
an amazing opportunity to get involved and influence someone. We have some amazing opportunities here, but you have amazing opportunities every day where you work, where you live, where you go with your kids. You have amazing opportunities if you will look because we normally get what we're looking for. And I don't want us to miss in that verse, this, this is the way Philip initiates the conversation. I don't want us to miss this because I think this is a really key side note and something that, that I do in my own life that I think a lot of people don't understand. Look at, look, at how he, look at how he initiates this. He comes up and he asks this guy, he says, do you understand what you're reading? For those of you that aren't good conversationalists, that are kind of shy people, and you're thinking, I can't influence because I don't even like to talk to people, Oftentimes, the best conversations begin with you asking a question about them. You ever notice that? People love to talk about themselves, don't they? Somebody, somebody was talking in, in the lobby earlier to me, and they said something about, you're never short of things to talk about. I'm like, I really don't, I don't think I talk that much. If you know me well, you may have a different opinion, but I don't think I talk that much. I think I ask a lot of questions. Because people love talking about themselves. And so if, if, if you're in a situation where you, you, you feel like there's, there's some room there to influence, to impact someone, and, and you know that the opportunity has arisen for you to start a conversation, just ask a question. Ask a question that they can't just say fine to. How you doing? Fine. That's not a good question. You got to ask an, an open-ended question, but ask them a question about themselves. It's a huge thing that I think a lot of us don't, don't quite get. It's an opportunity. So this guy responds to Philip, verse 31. Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Key phrase there, unless someone explains it. Because isn't that what influence really is? Like, isn't isn't that how you influence someone? Isn't that how you impact someone is they walk through their life and you just kind of help, try to help them explain it? Like you just kind of do life with them. Isn't that what influence really is? You don't have all the answers. It's okay not to have all the answers. And I think a lot of people don't initiate this influence thing in people's lives either because they don't feel smart enough or because they feel like they should have some sort of program to go through. Like, do you have any curriculum for me? There's really, there isn't any curriculum. It's, it's just me explaining. Unless someone explains it to me, I'll never know. As, as, a young, as a young person and as a young pastor, I don't want somebody reading off a curriculum to me. I just want them, I just want them to help explain what, what God's doing. Like, I just, want them to, I, just, I just want them to explain to me what they've seen, what they've gone through. That's why Pastor Scott is such a great resource to me. Because he's seen it, he's heard it, he's done it all. And for him to just explain, Jonathan, this is, this is why they did that. This is why you should do this. Sometimes we just need someone to help explain it to me. Even, even if we don't have it all figured out, we can help someone else walk through life. He says, how can I unless someone explains it? And then the Ethiopian does something that's really important when it comes to influence. He says, I want you to come up, I want you to come up into my chariot. And I want you to sit with me. Now, at this point, this would have been huge to the audience of the time. Because not only is this Ethiopian an important man with high standing, but now he's inviting Philip into the chariot with him. He, Philip obviously has huge influence in this guy's life quickly, because that's what can happen. 
when, when, when God says, I want you to go and I want you to influence that person. That's the kind of thing that can happen. So he says, come up. I want you to come sit in my chariot. In order to influence and love people the way that we need to, we have to be willing to get in their mess. And I think my generation is guilty of oftentimes killing this in culture. Because we don't want to see how the sausage is made, do we? Like, we want to see your Instagram highlights. We want to see how things look. We want you to, to appear like you have it all together. As a matter of fact, we want you to have the look of a hipster, which means I look like I have it all together by looking like I don't have it all together. Some of y'all, y'all figure that out. But at the end of the day, oftentimes, we don't want to get in people's mess. He says, I want you to come up. I want you to sit with me. Because influence requires us getting in people's mess. And I think another reason why a lot of times we don't do this is because maybe we've tried it in the past. And either that person wouldn't, let, wouldn't listen to us or we, walked with, we, we went with them for a little while and then they let us down. So we're not willing to, we're not willing to get into the mess. Don't be afraid to let your routine be ruined for relationship. Like some of us, we're, we're so scheduled. Our day is so scheduled, isn't it? We don't have time to influence anyone. We don't have time to come up and, and, and sit with someone. We don't have time to look for opportunities because our day is so scheduled. And if it's not, we still have an idea of everything that we need to do. And oftentimes we miss those cool, important moments because we're so in our routine that we miss relationship. I'm guilty. So the eunuch asks a question of Philip, verse 34. He says, tell me, please, who is the prophet? Remember, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? This is, this is key. This is where Philip was trying to get him to the whole time, isn't it? It says, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. After explaining Jesus to him, this is what the Bible says in verse 36. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of, me being, of, way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. The third key is walk it out. Walk it out. So Philip meets this guy who he shouldn't have been talking to necessarily, according to cultural standards. He looks for the opportunity to impact him, and then he begins to walk with him. Who are you walking with? Because some of you, if you were honest this morning, you would have to say, there's been some people that have walked me through some very difficult times. If you look back over the course of your life, there's some people that God, whether you realize it or not, it was God that has put in your path that has literally saved your life and saved your future. Because they were, willing to, they were willing to walk with you. Sure, you messed up. Sure, you let them down. Sure, you, did the, you went against the exact advice that they literally just gave you that you asked for, but they were still willing to walk with you. Who are you walking with? I don't care how old you are. I don't care how smart you feel. I don't care how much money you think you have. Who are you walking with? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're called to do. We're called to walk with people through their mess and impact them through relationships. That's the beauty of Celebrate Recovery. 
That's the beauty of the local church is that we get to be with people through the ups, through the downs, because we get to walk with people. That's the way God's made us. And I don't care how you're wired. I don't care if you're a, 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 a soft-spoken person. I don't care if you're an out-there out kind of person. You have to have people that you're walking with. So Philip begins to walk with this guy. And then he, and then he baptizes him. If, if the people around you were living their lives based off of the model that you're giving them, would they be getting closer to Jesus or further away? Because as Philip's walking with this guy, this guy has an idea. Let me get baptized. Something changes, doesn't it? Obviously, he sees something influences influence is more about what people see than what you say and that and that and that's important parent as a parent myself i find myself all the time and i'm not writing a parenting book i'm not preaching a parenting sermon because i have one that's five and i feel like i'm doing a terrible job already so i'm not i'm not giving you parenting advice i'm just saying he is so much more intrigued by what he sees me do than what he hears me say that's why he's willing to put one step on an escalator, isn't it? It's more caught than taught. The people around you, that coworker who hears you talk about that, you, that you're going to church, are you actually walking that out? Or are you just becoming another reason for them not to go to church because they don't see any evidence of it in your life? Some of you, you're in here this morning, that's the reason you haven't been to church in the past, isn't it? You've got to walk it out. About 10 years ago, longer than that now, about 12 years ago, there was a, a man who I got to know. He went to the church that I went to in high school. And when I went to college, I went to college in Charleston, and he became a, a pastor of a really small church about an hour from where I, went to, where I went to school. I'm a junior in college, and this guy calls me. He says, Jonathan, are you, I'm thinking about hiring, we're thinking about hiring a part-time youth pastor to do youth and children. We can't pay much, but would you be interested? Little did I know, he had been literally talking, trying to talk his church into, into paying me the $80 a week that they paid me for months. I said, of course. He said, we'll even give you some, some gas money every week. We'll give you $20 because we know you got to drive. I said, I get $80 plus gas money? Absolutely. I ain't got nothing else to do. And so for about a, a year and a half, Melissa and I were actually dating towards the middle way of this. We would drive back and forth to a tiny town called Jamison, South Carolina. Anybody know where Jamison is? Why? No, I'm just kidding. A tiny town called Jamison, South Carolina at a little white church right across the railroad tracks. For a year and a half, we would make this, we would make this drive. This man would, every Sunday, would take me, and then when Melissa came into the picture, would take us both out for Sunday lunch. For that year and a half, even though he wasn't getting paid much and drove a beat down truck that he hoped would make it a mile and a half to his church every week, 
he gave me $20 cash saying that they preferred to give me cash. Of course, a year and a half later, I figured out who was really giving me the cash, right? One Sunday, we both walk in and we get in front of a deacon board and they're like, we're letting you both go. It's over. We don't like the direction of this. And if you've been in traditional churches, you get how it works sometimes. Thankfully, the very next week, because of a connection this guy had, I was going to start a, a full-time job with the church because I had just graduated. But he was left without a job. A few years later, I've kept in contact with this guy. And I haven't heard from him in several weeks. And I get a call from a friend of ours, a mutual friend that I knew when I was there. And the friend says, Jonathan Mike was going to the doctor this morning and died in his truck. For those of you that don't know my story, I've, I've written a, a couple of little, little books. And it was about two weeks before I was going to sign the contract on that first book. I was so excited to call this man. And I tell that story because that man will never know the influence that he had in my life. He will never know what I do, where I go, the people I reach. He'll never know what happened from that tiny white church in Jamison, South Carolina with, a, with an attendance at his high, it was about 35 people. He'll never know the impact it had. Are you willing to influence people, to love people, to walk with people, even if you don't know the influence that, that you have? With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment. If you're in the room this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, the coolest way that I can connect this to you is that this is all for you. The Great Commission, the last thing Jesus would command his disciples before he died was for you, so that he could have a relationship with you. So if you're in here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you feel like he's knocking on the door of your heart, just say this prayer in your heart. You can say it out loud. It's not magic. It's just a confession. Say, God, I know I've messed up. I've missed the mark. You've got to also know that you came, you died, you rose. I don't get how it all works, but I believe it. So I ask you to come into my life. I give my life to you, and I, I don't even know what that means yet either, but I'm going to figure that out. I love you, Jesus. God, thank you so much for the people that you've put in our lives to influence us. God, there's not a person in here that can say that they are where they are by themselves. God, may we be people that um, God are willing to be influences in people's lives. May we, we be people that look for opportunities to influence others. God, may we be willing to walk with people through the mess, through the gunk, through the hard times, through the good times. And God, may we love people better than ever because we're intentional about it. In Jesus' name, amen.